0: Money is meaningless. It's just a tool. It's not good or it's not bad. There is a fulfillment from doing work and you're providing value to the other people. And it's definitely, you know, enjoyable, but then it comes down to how do you use that to live a life that you're, you're living it in a way that's improving who you are, whether that's, you know, are you making the progress that you want? Are you having the freedom to do the things that you want to be? Do you have a sense of well being? Do you have the peace? Um, it's a path, it's not a destination. And it's realizing that it's like, I'm in this beautiful part of the path right now. Challenges and all, stupidity and all, good and bad. Um, but those things make it this a beautiful experience.
1: All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Well, welcome to the High Performance Happiness Podcast. My name is Brian Sharp. I am excited to have you here as a lifelong entrepreneur, business builder. Uh, this is, uh, as I like to say, the, the podcast I couldn't find. So I've dedicated this uh, to kind of track my journey as I work on these things myself, finding better balance for other business builders. And so we're, we're dedicated to helping executives, entrepreneurs, other high performers achieve better results, but also live better lives. So we get into the good stuff and talk about the hard stuff from beating burnout and managing stress to how do you scale a company and scale a team, but still work in that self-care. So the the experts, the thought leaders, the people that are in the trenches doing the work like you and I, uh, I I hope in this podcast interviews uh, to pull out relevant content and ideas and resources, things that that can help you in your own journey to feel and be your best. So, I really believe there there's a path to balance both high performance and happiness in business. And this is where we're going to explore it. We're going to do it together. I'm a I'm a student on the way, and I'm sharing this uh, with you. So, wherever you're at on your journey, I welcome you, and I'm glad you're here. And uh, tonight, I'm I'm really excited to bring somebody. Uh, that I've known for quite some time and uh, frankly has been part of my journey. Um, And so first I want to welcome Mr. Sean Boyd to the show. Welcome, Sean.
0: I'm excited to be here, Brian. Uh,
1: you're a brave man actually having a CPA <laughs> on something like this. So. This is going to be awesome. Like if we were live and we've spoken together on stage, this is usually, Sean, like where the crowd really always gives you the standing ovation, the smoke, the lights, the, you know, all that. So I'm sorry I don't have all that for you, but just know the crowd's going wild right now. So I'm glad you're here. Absolutely. <laughs> so I want to give a little context for Sean because he, he won't get into this stuff. And I, I want to share it just so you understand. And it's funny because, you know, you ask a, a tax guy like, hey, I want you to come on my podcast, but I don't want you to talk about taxes. And so uh, this is this is going to be fun. But uh, for those of you that don't know Sean or haven't heard of him, he's got over 20 years of public accounting experience, specializes in small business and real estate um, taxation essentially he's one of northern california's most sought after and experienced cpas uh, he holds 3 designations uh, cpa cfp and a cva you can look those up and i'll explain them in the show notes but what that basically puts him in as the top 1% of all cpas in the us so he knows his stuff but i've always described him not just as my cpa and my advisor but as a guy who has a personality to go with it so He's really helped uh, a lot of small business owners, entrepreneurs, and frankly, large businesses across the country. Uh, I graduated from George Mason University with a dual major in finance and accounting, which you'll learn is, you know, kind of, you can start to pick out the DNA of a high performer. There's one there, right? He's a dual major, Uh, but he also has a really interesting story. And after working for a big high-powered firm in Washington, D.C., he moved to South Lake Tahoe as he became, and I want to pull this from your bio and make sure I get this right, a glorified ski bum. Uh And so uh, what followed was this career and finding this path of, of not only just becoming one of the top CPAs, but he ended up also being a coach uh, out in Heavenly, uh, Heavenly Valley there up in Tahoe. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more of that. So he's an athlete. He's a coach. Uh, and obviously he's at the top of his game for, for what he does. But most importantly, as you'll, you'll hear, uh, he's a family man. He's been married to his wife, Andrea. They have two boys, Jeremy and Josh. And it sounds like they're, they're following in dad's footsteps, adrenaline junkies, uh, I presume. So, um, so they got a wonderful family. He's a wonderful man. He is a, a connector and he's got probably the biggest heart of anybody I know, but, uh, you just gotta, you just gotta peel it back a little bit, and we're gonna do that, right? So, I'm glad you're here, buddy. Thank you for making time to do this. So it's, I'm, I'm excited to dig in. No, I appreciate it. And one of the things
0: before we get started is just sending the questions that you were gonna send me uh, about this interview was just a phenomenal experience. I, I sat down with my wife, and we went over the questions. And asked her, help, well, how would you answer this for me because you know me so well? And mm. it just led into hours of just phenomenal conversations with my wife. So uh, really? I've already had a successful interview, even if nobody <laughs> listens to this.
1: <laughs> I should have uh, brought Andrea on instead. This would be, you know what, maybe we have to do a couples one. But that, so that's, I've never heard that feedback before. So what was, so first of all, good on you for asking her that, that just goes, so much to your DNA and how you operate and just what I love about you, what I've learned from you through the years. But so what was something that stood out from that? Like when you say you had hours of conversation, was there anything that came up that was new for you or for her?
0: Um, I wouldn't necessarily say new, but we were going through um, some, everyone's going through challenges with COVID right now. Uh, It's upended everybody's life and how they operate. And one of the questions uh, was something along the lines of, "What's your opinion of high achievers' happiness factor right now, or where do they stand?" And there's a surprising amount of of guilt that high performers have right now because they're actually being successful while other people are suffering. Yeah. And the reality is, is um, if everybody is having a problem or the same difficulty, there's nobody to lead or provide examples for people to get themselves out of the muck. So we have to have the folks that have gotten out of the the muck. They're working hard and they're doing what's right, but it's still work. Everybody's going through a grind and this has caused them to make changes to their business or to their lives that people don't do when everything is successful and running perfectly. So it's actually a beautiful part of, of life cycle. And so we were talking about how there's all these beautiful parts in our lives, but we we don't pay attention to them. And it's the, your questions were, how are you doing the self care? How are you doing the intention? How are you being purposeful with this? And much of the way that I was answering her is, I actually get a tremendous amount of satisfaction from the work that I do. And when I'm being a high achiever is I'm actually happy. And it's not that happiness is a different spectrum from high performance is when you're really doing what you love and you're in the moment is there's a happiness that exists in that moment.
1: Hmm.
0: But what we tend to look more for is what we call moments. And it's those little parts of your life that you would want to have on display or in a book afterwards that highlights your life. What's that moment? And it could be, uh, an example would be, I'm having a conversation with my kid at bedtime and he says something that just surprises me. It's how does an 11 year old have that kind of wisdom or understanding of life? And you pause for a moment and that's the moment. And it's, those are the things that we are seeking and capturing. And some of those moments don't occur in periods of happiness, but they occur in periods of emotion or in periods when you're not expecting them and they catch you off guard. And it's whether you pause to accept them or or not. And it was amazing just how many things occurred. And that led into um, a conversation I had with one of my mentors is I realized this year as I started feeling more angry than i've ever had in my past really and i didn't know how to handle some of the feelings of anger and i felt like i was more being like destructive anger you know you, you fly off the handle you know you cuss you know you rah, rah, rah. and i wear my emotions on the sleeve anyway <laughs> and i blow it off and then i don't think anything of it and i move forward yeah but I was noticing this trend of, of just anger entering my life. So I, I called this one mentor and I said, this is going to sound worse than it is. I was like, but I'm having an anger problem. And he walked me through that. It really wasn't that anger was my main issue. It was that anger is a secondary emotion. And whatever is your first violation that's occurring is really what's causing you get to anger. So see what that is and then try to correct it at that level and it gave me an insight. And part of it is a feeling of um, disrespect was leading me over into the anger. Um, And, you know, you look at COVID, you look at changes, regardless what anybody believes or how they act. um, There's certain parts of our life that have been upended and changed. And, you know, we have to make, you know, changes, you know, for all of that. And it's that led me into a lot of Areas where it's like I was having difficulty. Um, I don't want to say like conforming or complying, but understanding how to adapt to what life had thrown me. Um, and because it was such a bigger change or something I didn't anticipate, um, not not saying I'm a complete control freak, but I am an accountant, so that means I'm a complete control freak. I just have to make you think that I'm not. Well, we're
1: gonna freak. get real, man. I'm gonna call yeah, you yeah. out, though. Well, so wait, I want to pause right because you just unloaded a whole bunch of great stuff there, right? And like mm-hmm. I was joking with you before we came on, we could probably go for four hours easy because we've done that in the past. So, um, so I want I want to first I appreciate you sharing that, and I'm glad that it got you thinking. And for those that you know haven't seen it, and, and actually Sean's challenged me to maybe just post the questions, I, I don't use a script or anything, but I try and give an idea of conceptually what I like to ask here on the interviews, but hopefully they're all a little different and goes where it needs to. So we're, like right now, we're digging right in. So I, I want to go back to the moments though, because I think there's something mm-hmm. great there. And I, and I wanted to ask you, how do you get to those moments, or, or have you always been able to see and pause and spot those moments or or is that different for you now than it used to be?
0: Um where I'll frustrate people is if if they don't know like what their dream, their drive, their passion is, sometimes I don't understand how they could not know that. Mm -hmm. Um not saying I was fortunate where it's like I always knew what I wanted to do is I changed my path 80 gazillion different times. Mm -hmm. I just knew that it was I had a life that I wanted to leave and I wasn't afraid of pursuing it and going after it. And that meant falling a whole bunch of times and picking myself back up. And one of my mentors gave me this great quote. That's always been in my brain. It's just when you're 90 years old, it's not what you did that you regret it's what you didn't do that you regret. So challenge yourself to say, would I regret doing this? And that's why I I left DC and moved to a ski resort to be a glorified Mm -hmm. ski bum at the peak of my career. When everybody said I was stupid and crazy Crazy. and the most beautiful life followed me because I had the belief to, to chase my dreams. Mm. And so those moments, I don't want to say like everything's mapped out and you know exactly where it's going to be, but it's this scary moment where you know what you should be doing, but you're terrified, senseless of doing it. And when I graduated college, as I traveled cross country for um, six weeks and the night before, um, you know, I had a fight with my sister. I had parts of me that's like, oh, I should be working during the summer. I, I should be blah, 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 you know, insert every excuse under the sun. Sure. And I was terrified and I was literally thinking of unpacking the car, not doing it. Next morning I hopped in the car before I was too smart to realize what I was doing. Drove from Virginia to Indiana. I had no plans. I was just figuring it out as I went along and I parked my truck, you know, know, an old Toyota Tacoma pickup truck in the, in a gas station parking lot. And I slept in the bed of this pickup truck. And the next morning, the sunrise came up over, you know, Indiana. And I looked at, it, and I was just like, if I hadn't come, I never would have seen this sunrise. And so that moment's forever etched in my brain. Hmm. With this, one moment changes everything. So and this was
1: ingrained in you early, like this was something you've been because It sounds like it's been a driver for your for your path for clarity for you. And you look for the moments. That's so that's an important takeaway, right? Because I think we talk a lot here about being present and mindfulness, and those are those are ways to practice to get better at spotting those. But I'm always fascinated about how a high performer like you is like integrated this into their DNA. And I, I, I like the way you do it. So you, you've made it part of your map, which is which is really cool. I I want to ask one other thing, because you've mentioned mentors a couple of times. And this is mm-hmm. an area you've taught me a lot about. You've introduced me to other mentors of yours. I consider you one of mine. Um, reciprocal. What, you, you have made a massive impact in my life. There's We no can question. edit that part out. That's fine. So <laughs> what I wanted to ask you though, was it's the way you wrote it, it. It's one thing that struck me about you is it's your go-to move. Like you're a proud guy. You got an ego, you're successful. You, you got a lot of people who report to you. You've built a big company. And yet your first go-to move so often is to go ask your mentor tough questions where you know, you're going to get, answers you probably don't want to hear. How, how did that come about? Is that something you've always done? And it, how do you know when to go to a mentor to to ask those questions?
0: Um, so I was real fortunate um, when I was younger, when I moved to Tahoe, I, I coached for the Heavenly Foundation. And so I got to coach three athletes to the US ski team. Uh-huh. And so when you're coaching at like the highest level of sports performance is you realize that it's more psychology driven than it is um, technique driven. I mean, mm-hmm. the, all of them have phenomenal technique, but ultimately it's how you really get into somebody's head. And when you start coaching, you actually become a much better, um, you're, you're stronger from coaching than you are just from learning from somebody else. Yeah. So mastery does come ultimately with a teaching moment, but you have to have a mentor and you have to be a mentee constantly throughout life because there are experts all around us. And so what I realized was that the best person still uses a coach because they need that outside perspective to give them honest feedback that they can't see, or they don't know that they're getting themselves. And as you begin to progress up like a competitive rank, you may feel that your actions are a certain way, but then when you see the video of it, you realize that your actions are not what you think that they are. Hmm. So that becomes hard feedback. And so if that's what's successful in the sports, um, life is full of analogies in my world. And so if it's that way in sports, it's probably this way in business. So who are the people that I can go ask, how did they do it And early, on in my twenties, I realized that older folks are begging to provide mentorship to younger folks, but nobody's asking them. Are we the older folks now? Just asking. Yeah, now I feel like I'm the older folks. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm wanting to help younger folks. Like, hey man, here's the stupid T-shirt I had when your age. Don't you, please. you know? <laughs> exactly? Uh,
1: but exactly. You welcome know, to but, the club. And, no, but I still good.
0: have older folks, and in, in between, I, I'm I'm going through my midlife crisis right now. Um, you haven't was, bought oh, a convertible
1: I, yet, though, have you? You're you're good I, there.
0: Uh, well, actually, no, we did buy the convertible. Um, <laughs> my <laughs> I love my it. wife for Mother's Day it was it was three years ago. Um, my wife for Mother's Day, um, we found a, a used Porsche Boxster, oh, there and it is. we, we picked you it up, done. and it, so it was her Mother's Day gift. I'm allowed to drive it. Um, but she said, I like, okay, I like how Sean. you sneak
1: this out. Like I used to buy video games for my brothers that mm-hmm. I want. am like, no, this is totally for you, but it was really for, so well played. That was, it's again, right in your wheelhouse of just helping others, but yeah, it's good. Very, very good leverage there. But I, so going back to the, the psychology versus the, versus the technique, do you see that translate in business? So you, you mentor a lot of new associates, you've trained a lot of employees, uh, you you know, you help a lot of others and other various charity and whatnot. It, does it, does it apply? So obviously the professional skier uh, certainly makes sense there. Does it apply to somebody who's coming out of college and learning this new career? Somebody who's taking that big chance, like you said, and going, okay, I'm going to drive across the country and start a whole new life. Is it still about psychology versus technique? Is that, how do you, how do you see it play out?
0: Absolutely. It, it's more attitude. Uh, people will say that culture is important in business or when you hire somebody you're looking for, what's this person's attitude? How do they fit? Sure. Not everybody needs to be wired the same, but you're looking for that person that has the natural enthusiasm or drive um, to do whatever it is that they're doing um, the best that they can. And you know, so you can find a guy who's flipping hamburgers, who's you know, who cares That's different than somebody that's flipping a burger. And so the, the attitude becomes ultimately what I think is the the greatest, you know, precursor for success because that creates opportunities down the road because they may be cranking at something that may be, I don't want to use the word beneath them or entry level or beginning. All of us have work that we don't want to do, but it's called work. So we have to do the (laughs) the crappy part of the work, but The person that does it without really the criticizing condemning or you know having the major problem Gets more because people like giving them the work Mm -hmm. so the coaching mechanism really comes from You get more from positive feedback and reinforcing the strength than it is fixing the bad Mm -hmm. And so ultimately what I found from the coaching side is you look for the one thing that you want fixed And it's okay to give the negative feedback or the change but give them leeway to let other things fail as long as they're making progress in that one area Mm. and that ultimately leads them more to success and i would use the square root formula to show them that it's not the square root formula but it's the root of change you're at a certain level plateauing and you have to go through this dip down before you dip up and you get to a higher Mm -hmm. plateau and that's intellectually you know you need to change Emotionally, it's difficult and it gets worse before it gets better, but then habitually it changes and you're now at a different plateau or level. Mm -hmm. And so it's understanding that learning process or that emotional part of the change um, actually becomes the most important thing for getting results faster from people because they're willing to go through that difficult period where it's uncomfortable. It's not working. It doesn't change. It's, it's the grind. It doesn't feel good. You've
1: got that phrase. What was that phrase you used to use about people love the results of discipline, but they hate the act of discipline It's something along those lines, right?
0: Essentially those lines, you know, people love what discipline produced, but nobody loves discipline.
1: (laughs) That's, that's good. And you've built that discipline. So I want to talk a little bit about you guys. You've got all kinds of good gems in here. And like I said, I want to, I want to get back to maybe some of those questions you opened up with and and talk about it. We talked about your drive and and kind of what drives you and those moments. Um, you and I have spent a lot of time talking about this balance through the years. You know, when I've hit a wall, you've hit a wall. We've hit walls together. We've punched walls, I think, at a time or two. Um, so we've had some real talks there, but... When it, high performance is natural for you, happiness has been a big area of focus for you. Talk a little bit about trying to balance that for you. Do you feel like you've found that or you're finding the rhythm? Um, and, and do either of those come more naturally to you?
0: Um, I, I wouldn't say I've got it figured out or I've resolved it, but it, it's a change in focus. Um, you know, a few years ago, uh, my mom passed, um, yeah. been a little over, you know, two years and she passed the cancer. So the, the lead up through her cancer, of course, begins to make you reevaluate and look at life a little bit differently. Um, post her death, um, obviously changed things. Um, but as most folks will not appreciate this, but when she passed there was for me there was no regrets and it was actually a beautiful end of life experience and i couldn't have asked for anything better so i've been very fortunate and very blessed during even the most difficult of processes to see a beauty in it Hmm. um and realize how this is making a difference in um moving life you know going forward so it allowed me to focus on all right i I grinded through the business because I've got two boys that are high functioning autistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the early part of, of their life, um, it was more important for me to kind of crank work, make money so that we could pay for therapies to yeah. help them have a better future. And, you know, there's a certain uh, dad part that always has to be there, but there's a certain part where a specialist really needs to be involved consistently with them to make, the big impact. So while I may have been away from the house or working the long nights, you know, to, to do that, it was, here's the commitment that the family made together for the betterment of the kids. Hmm. Well, that investment paid off and the kids have progressed beautifully. We've had a tremendous support group around us. I mean, we're ridiculously fortunate with the the way that opportunities where people came into our life. And a lot of it, I believe it's just because I was willing to work hard and have conversations with people. And some of them were not roses and sunshine. It's, here's the crap. Here's where we're having problems. Here's the difficulty. Um, my wife was a a flipping angel, you know, through that and she put off, um, something that she always wanted to do in her life. Um, she's now doing it. Um, you know, after, you know, 10, 15 years, but, She put the family first, but now she's doing a little something for her. Well, it's not a little, but it's, you know, she's doing something big for her finally. Um, but the, you know, I, I just have to pay, you know, my wife, but more importantly, all mothers like a huge compliment. What I learned through that process is that children, that mothers are the most efficient people in the planet. Nobody is more efficient than a mother they know what's bullshit. They know it's crap and they, they don't spend any time with it because they only got X amount of time to do stuff. Um, And they just are busier than anybody. And if they say no, it's no, if they say yes, they'll get it done somehow, some way, some fashion, but nobody is more efficient than uh, a mother, even when they're sleep deprived. Um, (laughs) So I tried to glean a couple of gems from that and apply it to myself. But um, unfortunately mothers have like this 18 year cycle that they have to deal with. Luckily, tax season is only three months, so I only have to grind it for a little bit, and then I can <laughs> do some self care.
1: Um, but so yeah, what my wife did was absolutely for
0: amazing for the kids.
1: So it it almost sounds like so the mother figure on both sides, right? Like looking at Andrea as a is a strong mom, and and obviously your spouse, and then your mom's passing is is kind of fueled this this rethinking of priorities for you and, and, and not that happiness wasn't important, but figuring out how to make it happen. Just, it became another, like you, you just became so much more intentional as I watched you that it was like your schedule changed, your focus changed, your priorities changed, your decisions changed. You know, is that a fair way to characterize like how that progressed for you once you started making it a little more uh, of a priority? Well, you're making it sound like the progression was easy and simple to to put
0: into place. (laughs) That's fair. Um, the, the reality is, um, you know, some people had to smack me upside the head. Um, you know, I, I still have to work on my, my health. I let some of my health go while I was building the business while I was dealing, I didn't deal with stress Mm. appropriately or handle it the right way. Um, you know, there, there are times I acted away in ways that, you know, I'm embarrassed. To, to say that I did.
1: Mm.
0: But the, the beautiful thing is I had enough people that cared enough about me to encourage me and put me in the right direction. Um, you probably don't remember, but I remember at a time that I was really scared and you were giving me business advice and I was kind of huffing and puffing and just saying, well, I'm this business owner, so I'm going to make you know the decision this way. And you kind of, you know, looked at me and just like, yeah, dude, but it's just like, I'm the guy here that actually cares about you and know what's best for you. So you are going to finally get off of your ego and actually listen to me? And it was like, just, you know, like a kick in the nuts. And it was like, you know what, you know, he's flipping right now. That doesn't mean that I took your advice that day, you know, and it probably took me about like, you know, a year and a half to implement what you said. And luckily you never came back and said, I told you so, but you know, I, I know that you see so many parts of my life where you pat yourself on the back and just be like, yeah, I, I helped Sean make that impact. And I helped <laughs> nudge him along the, the right but path. You, to get you where push
1: through. And I, I think you make a good, I appreciate the compliment, but I, I, it, and it goes both ways. I mean, some of the toughest decisions I've made, you've been in the room and you've called me out and I remember those vividly. And, and I think you, a couple things I think that are important takeaway for those that are listening. One is, you've created those the space for that. You've, you've created uncomfortable environments. You've invited people in to the war room and, and, and laid it all out. And, and you mentioned earlier, you, part of what created the path for your boys is being open to having hard conversations and making the ask and putting yourself out there. And that's important. And so it's not just about in high performance, we when we have a goal, we're more it's more clear on how to do that. Oh, okay, I want that thing. So I, I kind of know what I need to ask, but when you're trying to go through that self, that change, that that improvement, it's way muckier and messier. <laughs> and so I just want to compliment you and encourage everyone else. Like one of the things that I've learned is that if you apply the principles that are helping you as a high performer. Improve yourself personally. It's the same tool set. It's getting uncomfortable. It's creating that space It's having those conversations and then listening which is I think what sets you apart and and does really well and And I want to go there. I want to go to that you mentioned handling stress and not handling it well And I have things I mean tantrums I've thrown and shit I've done. I mean just I could write a book on the ridiculousness of me um you're in a stressful environment you're you know you're a business owner you you have obviously family with the with the boys with what they had to to grow through and then you know you have tax season which is high pressure you're in finance what is when you say you don't ha- you didn't handle stress well what does that look like for you and is there a situation or is there a trigger for you or how do you know when it's like oh man <laughs> The lever just went down. Look out! How, how does that manifest for you when when stress or burnout or all that leans up on you too much? Um, so
0: for me, it's easily identifiable. the The coffee consumption goes way up. Okay. Um, sleep goes way down. Okay. Um, bad food choices increase, and I'm a stress eater. Um, okay. so I, I got that from my mom. What's your so go-to
1: move? Stress eating, what's your go-to move? Whatever
0: food is around <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> okay. So I, I, it's the true seafood stress diet. If I see food, it's going in mouth. So the only way that I can fix that is just not have any bad things around me. Um, but it, the, the toughest thing of like going out to eat at a restaurant and is choosing the healthy option. Mm -hmm. And so I, I I just can't, it's, you walk in and you're like, Ooh, Buffalo wings and pizza. And you're like, no, order the salad, order the salad. So sometimes what we'll do is I'll excuse myself when I know that the waiter or waitress is coming and Andrea will order me the salad and I'll be at, so I don't have to make the choice. Um, she loves it. So
1: stress for you comes up. It's really about you just, you just, self-care goes out the window, right? So and physical and it, activity goes out the window, but what um, creates it though for you? Because you, you, you know, you're a strong, confident guy. You're good at what you do. How, how does stress enter your life? Like those are things that you do as a result and how you spot it. But what creates stress for someone like you that to me, as I look at you as someone who's so mentally strong, what sneaks in there and get, gets it. Yeah.
0: Well, the, for me, the biggest is when there's a, there's a system breakdown, um, for you, you have a more of a talent to systems. To me, it's, you know, I'm supposed to be an accountant, so I should be really logical and here's its place for everything. But many times I don't understand how the systems totally work or how to develop the systems the right way. Hmm. And so the, I love coming in and helping and solve the problem. So that means I should be the go-to person. The problem is that's not scalable. And when you don't have a scalable, you've got a limitation on just your hours and you can only get paid for so much time. And so you have to maximize the value of that hour. So you realize that really systems is the ultimate way to make things work. So if I'm sending out a a mailer or I'm fixing a computer printer, that's having a problem. That's where I would get frustrated because this shouldn't be my problem. It's a problem that occurs in business, but we should have had a system that made this easy to fix, or the person on the team should be doing this because I'm the person that can build the highest dollar amount in the firm. So yeah. my activity should be in front of the client. It should be, you know, prospecting with you know yeah. new clients, doing high-end technical reviews of of work. Anything but those three things is really uh, an, an inappropriate use of, of resources. It's not saying I'm above doing any yeah. of these other things, you know, I, I'm willing to do it, but that's where I get frustrated. Um, you know, I get frustrated when somebody double books my calendar or uh, doesn't look to see that Tuesday morning I, I take, I do my dad's blood work for his, you know, for his health. Mm-hmm. And so I come in at nine, don't schedule a nine o'clock appointment for me because I'm just coming if there's a hiccup with my dad. I'm going to be a little bit later. So don't put me in a, in a position mm. where I'm scrambling right from the get go.
1: So, so if, if, if I'm connecting here, one commonality amongst all, I mean, there's systems as part of it, but if I dig a layer deeper, it's really time. Mm-hmm. It's when people are stealing your time, that's like <laughs> trigger, trigger one. And I can totally pre like I, that's where my meltdowns come. I get really fidgety. I'm like, Oh man. So that, that's interesting. We definitely, we have a lot in common, but that's something I didn't, I don't think I connected before. Um, so when, when you get there and, and I, you know, I appreciate your honesty, like you, you, you've done things that you aren't proud. Of. We can all relate to that. What I'm more interested is, you know, okay, it's uh March 1st and your calendar is a train wreck and you know, Andrea wants to know why you're not home for dinner And all your employees are barking at you and your clients are barking at you. There's every reason to just kind of melt down and you, you figure out a way to push through. So I want to understand how do you get yourself mentally in a place to work through that stuff? Like when, because there's every excuse not to, but you don't have a choice. And I've watched you do it year after year What do you do mentally going back to your psychology versus technique? What's the psychology that you use to get through that tough stuff work or as I put it, you know, work through the funk uh, a little bit.
0: Sure. Um, Well, two things that I I think work really well for me. So the, the sports analogy is it's like saying you're in the Super Bowl. There's two minutes left and you're down by three and you have the ball on your 10 yard line. How do you not be in the zone and focused? You know, it's we're essentially playing the Super Bowl of our career. This is the revenue generation time of year. This is when everybody actually wants to talk to us. Um, This is, (laughs) you know, this is game time. And so you've just got to crank and go. And there's nothing but results are what are required at that point. You can rest in three, four weeks. You know, it's you just got to crank it. So the things that we implemented um, a, a few years ago is always the weekend after the corporate deadline mark. After March 15th, we always go out of town um, so that I'm just with the family, and so it's you know nothing. That's my decompress. Um, I always go out of town the weekend after April 15th. It's always just me and the family, um, so that we've got our time. That gives me something to look forward to. Mm. So when you're in a grind and if you don't have something to look forward to not 20 years or, you know, something short term. Yeah. That weeks I, or
1: months. Yeah. That's
0: awesome. Know. Yeah, it's I can crank it out for that because I can do anything for a little period of time, just not forever. Right. Um, the other thing, and I, I think you helped me design this is we started changing an interview question that we had for folks and I asked them when they thought their busiest time should be during tax season. And what it did was it led them to understand that, they would say like, Oh, well, April 15th is your busiest time. I said, if April 15th is my busiest time, we (laughs) fail. You're in trouble. (laughs) You know, it's the reality is, is your third week of February and third week of March should be your busiest two weeks. So then that way the review team is busiest the last week of February and um, last week of, of March. And so then that way my work is all completed the first week of March, first week of April. So anything that's struggling or anything that needs some extra time, we have that next week to figure it out. Mm. The the thing that I think is a problem in our industry is many folks don't realize I know when the deadline is next year. Mm. So all we have to do is schedule folks beforehand, try to have meetings in advance so that we can remove that compression that naturally occurs and you get a better client experience. You get a less stressful tax season and you realize that everybody wins and you do a better job and a better work. And so that became like a, a dream you planted with me that I thought was fantasy, that after years of work, it's like, holy
1: crap, man, this is really is I'm year. so glad year. we're recording this right now. This is yeah, crazy. no, going to be I so much have... leverage for me for the next oh. 20 years of our relationship. So. But it's ridiculous. People, I mean, like I work hard and I work a lot. Um, but
0: this last tax season, like if it wasn't closed for COVID, the amount of ski days
1: that I would have got in would have been unbelievable for a yeah, tax person. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. Look, and I want to summarize. How many it. nights I had dinner with my wife? I think then then we're really winning. Okay. So I want to summarize because you're relating it to your industry, but I, I think we're all taking this away on how we apply it to ourselves. Right. And, and I think the two things that I heard you say, so, when it's crunch time, it's the Super Bowl of whatever you're doing, your fitness plan, your relationship, your, uh, you, you know, your financial planning, your job, your career, whatever it is. Or if you work in a seasonal industry, which a lot of people do, um, that there's, there's two things that I heard you say you do. And I love this. One is you set up a proactive self-care plan that you can look forward to that's very near term. And that's, that is, that's really valuable. And I, uh, one of the things I wrote on my whiteboard I'm rethinking for next year is my vacation plan, how I think about it. And I read recently a blog about, they said, you know, you should never go more than two or three months without a planned outing. Something it doesn't have to be big, lavish vacations, but I, I, this all lines up. So I love the self-care plan. I'm calling it self-care. You can call it whatever sure. you want. Right. The second thing I heard you say though, if I'm if I'm digesting it right, you talked about how you interview, but what I'm really hearing there is it's more about planning, ultimately, is, is the sec- second thing you do when everything's loaded up and heavy and hard, you kind of like pause for a minute and just say, All right, we need to plan for the busiest time. And here's how we're going to do it. Is that is that a fair way to, to put that? It, it is.
0: Uh, unfortunately folks put too much on their plate and try to do too much, but yeah. when you really step back and, and plan, you realize what's the capacity and, and where are your resources best spent? Yeah. The, the fear side will say, you've got to do everything and you got to do more. And, you know, you take every client that comes in. Uh, the reality is, is the more that you say no, the more successful you become. Uh, I want my younger team members to be comfortable and confident enough to say no, that they're overwhelmed, raise their hand, you know, when they need help. Um, I've had to learn. uh, It's I I like to think that I'm a giver and I help everybody and I'm the go-to answer person, but I never gave anybody the ability to help me. So when I realized I could start asking people for help, it was crazy how many people offered help, did things to to help out. you know, I, what did I got that it.
1: feel like? What, what did it like? You can see visibly on the video. Yeah. You're, everything's changing about you right now is what did it feel like to actually ask for help at that point? Was it, was there guilt or was it like, Whoa, what?
0: Well, it, it's scary because you feel that everybody's looking to you and you know, I don't want to use that imposter syndrome, you know, thing, but it was you're feeling vulnerable, but I realized that there was more strength in being vulnerable and talking with folks than there was thinking that you got your crap together. Mm. And so the the visual thing that people can't see if they're just listening to it is even when you have that discussion, it really feels like 20 pounds just came off of me. Mm. And it's not like, I mean, it just came off of the shoulders and the stress level. It's good for you when I realized just that I can pick up the phone or send an email or call somebody because many of them have gone through the experience themselves or, they know somebody that has they can give me the advice so i don't have to figure it out on my own so that stress of uncertainty Mm -hmm. or that stress of the unknown where you go through all of these what ifs is that adds extra stress and i realized that other folks could take that away from me or at other times that they could just put a happiness factor into it i had one guy did a super cool thing um, that i saw and you know you just see it, and you're like, nobody would have ever thought that that guy would have done this. And how flipping cool that I got to just
1: see that experience. Um, and and you people know, get that right? They get that you, you realize, oh wait, there's I've I've been helping build these people and these teams, and now they're performing. And it didn't have to be me the whole time. <laughs> so well,
0: there's that, but it's I know we use the word like performance and teams and and all of that because it, it's easy vernacular for us to have. But when you peel it back and you look at the person mm. and you see that that person is different because of it um, or that, that they've you know progressed or they've achieved a milestone or you've helped them in life or you know what, they just have that smile because they helped you and you're saying, Hey man, I appreciate you. And you know, thanks for everything that you've done. You know, that that's how life should be is that yeah. we're working together. And
1: those become beautiful moments that you see in business all the time, but we don't pay attention to. Hmm. I love love that. I love that. And you can help them see those moments too. And that's, that's just as important. Um, no, I appreciate you sharing that. That's, that's great. The asking for help is a, is a key one. I want to, like I said, we could go for a really long time. So I I got a couple of things I want to ask you about that I know of you and, and then we'll, we'll turn the corner and, and wrap up on, on, uh, I'm talking a little bit about high performance happiness, but two, two things I really like that I've learned from you that I want you to share a little bit about with the audience, your walk and talks and your retreats. These are, these are two things that I really have always like kind of, huh, what is he, does he really do that? So your walk and talks are actually one of your techniques for dealing with break kind of breaking through things, but it's also how you think and plan. And so it's kind of a double edged, tool you have. And then your retreats are brilliant. So you take whichever one you want first, but I'd love you to just talk us through really quickly when you use them and what you, how you, how you create them just at a high level.
0: Um, not saying I'm a cheapskate, but the beautiful thing about walks instead of lunches is, you know, you don't have to pay, but remember you can still write off your lunch with your CPA.
1: There you go. Um,
0: but I, I love being in nature and I love being away from the office. And when you're away from things that, people could think of as stressors um, coming to an account's office is a stressor. It's like going to a dentist's office. Um, if you go to a client's uh, site, you know, they've got the phone and other people. So when you just now go out into nature and take a walk is you're just, you know, you're walking, you're talking, you're letting the thoughts go um, and you just have nice conversations that you otherwise would not be able to have if you're at lunch um, mm-hmm. or some other distraction. And so what I found is it got to deeper conversations much quicker, but the brainstorming that would occur from it was like exponentially, you know, more productive and effective. Um, And then I needed, I realized, you know, I needed to improve my health. So, well, the easy way is if I'm walking with the clients that's improving my health and if I'm improving relationships at the same time, that's good.
1: bonus. Um,
0: It gives me a great time with my wife each evening to, understand what's going on so it improved that you know that relationship so i've just found that it's just like the walking the walking talks have just been phenomenal as a beautiful
1: so everyone's fair game clients wife friends colleagues employee everybody's fair game for a walk and talk i'm not special i'm not the only one who got this is apparently what i'm hearing now well, no, you,
0: you, you're always special, Brian.
1: You just so, didn't want to pay for lunch, man. I, now I got the now or yeah, Now we're
0: moving it over to these these special <laughs> parts. So the retreats, Um To yeah. so the retreats, um, you know, we did a couple of them, but I really want to talk about how successful they were since we had, um, you know, I, I played the um, Brian Sharp card on this one, and I know that you okay. don't do it for for everybody, but this is where it's like, I need help. And Brian's the smartest guy that I know that knows how to help fix this. And so when we finished off a of major taxes and finished the Super Bowl, it's one thing to say, you know, hey, party, celebrate, have a good time. But it's really important to go back and look at the films. What did we do right? What did we do wrong? And I need somebody that's outside of the organization that can provide feedback where the team feels comfortable providing feedback. And I need that person to be able to give feedback to me in a way that I'll actually take action on it. Because retreats are meaningless when you have the folks go and they think that they're heard and they think that changes are gonna make and then nothing happens. Yeah, um, it, It's actually worse than actually having the retreat in the first place. Yeah. So it's how do we come out of the retreat with here is the action item and here are the responsible folks. And we could play to people's strengths and we could play to the improvements that they saw and that they knew and many times um it just comes down to we we've we've got two choices that we make what's the easiest thing to do so that we can get momentum and then what's the most important thing for us to do and so we only have two action steps and that makes it you know we don't have 10 gazillion things that we're doing it's here's momentum and here's the priority now we could expand that a little bit and just say we've got Time that we can invest and we've got money that we can invest. Same questions. What are we going to do? That's easy. What's most important. But um, adding those retreats and having it so that the team felt that they were providing the feedback and then taking action on it transformed our business in just a few short years.
1: I want um, you to add, though, if you're okay with this. So that those are great. And, and I think that's that's good advice to to do them in short order after the Super Bowl. Um, but you do a personal retreat, and I want you to talk about like your Tahoe Monterey scam thing you've got going, where you get all the people in the room, and I just think it's brilliant. And and I know you don't know okay. all the time. That's the all one right. I really want you to dig into. Okay, th-
0: those retreats. Okay, so what you're talking about is um okay so the the recent retreat is i went up to tahoe but this is one i went up by myself my okay. wife stayed home with the kids she said we'll drop you off on sunday we'll come back friday and we'll leave the following sunday but you could have a week you know to yourself to your thoughts to decompress you need to think sean and you need to not have totally alone
1: with what this one totally was totally alone
0: okay um so okay. incredible gift that my wife gave to me yeah. and like each day the stress level that came off was just incredible it was such a beautiful gift you know that that she gave me but many times what I'll do is I'll think of who are some really smart people that I know that I also like hanging out with and I will sometimes rent a cabin and invite them up for the weekend and then just say I need an hour of your time because we're going to cover this topic. It's not all just hanging out in front. I, but I'll pay for your place. You're staying for free, you know, you know, Hey, maybe you got to pay for a dinner, um, you know, but we'll cook it at the house, but I, I need your brain for X. And so we've done it in um, you know, Monterey, we've done it in Tahoe. We, you know, we choose different places and different folks that will grab and sometimes it allows us to just have a really cool experience. So yeah. one time I was skiing up in Tahoe and I had my chiropractor with me. So I, I came home at the end of the day and my chiropractor's adjusting me right then. <laughs> another time I'm in Tahoe and I've got my estate planning attorney helping me go through everything at the end of the day over a glass of wine. Cool. Um, you know, another time I had this really good business coach, you know,
1: um, hanging out with me, you know, one time from Monterey he is. So, so I, what I love about that I want people listen for here is the common theme through all that you're asking, you're asking for help. You're seeking wisdom in, and, and you creating environments to get better. Always. This is just, this is just a formula for you. And I love the retreat idea because, yeah, we joke, like you, you, know, you get people talked into coming because you're going to foot the bill for a fun weekend somewhere, but you're getting the outcome that you want. You've created that environment and then people are really willing. So if you're not asking first and if you don't create that environment, you're not getting it. And, and I wrote recently in a blog, this is a great time of year to get what you want because everyone's willing to postpone stuff to the first of the year. Well, guess what? That's like in a week. Right. But it feels like a year away. So you can make a big ask and you just might be surprised what people are willing to do for you when you create that environment. I think Sean, that's something you're you're a master at. I wanna I wanna finish this version hopefully you know, episode one here with you, right? Um, and and talk a little bit about happiness because this is something that in recent years we talked more about than business, I think. And Mm -hmm. you alluded to some of this earlier um, with the unfortunate passing of your mom and the challenges with your boys that you were able to overcome. Um, So I'll just start first at this stage in your life. What's, what's a primary driver of happiness for you? Uh, The smile on my wife's face. Mm. That's a good answer. We'll just end it right there. That's a good one.
0: (laughs) You know, but but if, if we don't want to take it as that, um is work is only a a means to something else is where's the life fulfillment really come from it's just like money is meaningless it's just a tool it's not good or it's not bad there is a fulfillment from doing work and you're providing value to the other people and it's definitely you know enjoyable but then it comes down to how do you use that to live a life that You're, you're living it in a way that's improving who you are, whether that's, you know, are you making the progress that you want? Are you having the freedom to do the things that you want to be? Do you have a sense of well being? Do you have the peace? Um, It's a path. It's not a destination. And it's realizing that it's like I'm in this beautiful part of the path right now, challenges and all stupidity and all good and bad. Um, But those things make it this a beautiful experience. And Um, you know, so it's, when I have that ability to, to step back and realize that it's, I am so fortunate that these are the problems that I have because I've got the talents to solve and figure out these problems. And that's what life is challenging me to do, to be the best example for that. And if I can pass that on to my kids, if I can influence other people, then what an incredibly beautiful life I will have and I will lead. And that the next interaction that I have with whatever person is that's a moment where I'm attempting to influence so that their, their beautiful side can come through Hmm. that somebody believes in them, that they have the ability to do whatever it is that they can, because you're never given that without the ability to produce it. So I guess what I want from you or anybody that's listened this far into the, the conversation is there always has to be an action whenever anything is completed or anything is done. So Brian has done a tremendous amount of of you know providing the service over to you. Take a look at his Tower of Nice's and the in the nonprofit work that he does with his kids into the community. Um, his inspiration made me you know kind of get out of a funk this weekend, and he didn't even know it because we always like to do something charitably with the family to show the importance of giving back. But because of COVID, nothing existed. So we decided to just do a river cleanup because that's what that was awesome. Brian and his kids would do. I love it. I love it. And so
1: it's well. I, I and I appreciate that. And actually, that segues perfectly because it is something that I I really admire about you. You are a giver. You're you're connector of people. You're always um, looking to help others in all the ways you just described. That is who you are, and I and something I love and appreciate, and I'm grateful for. But charitable giving is a very important value to you. And it, and it actually is something you've influenced clients on. Uh, myself, I think the tower was a challenge, actually, if we really want to call this out. Like you just called me out like you just need to make it a nonprofit. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So can you just talk about the role at whatever level you're comfortable that, that charity plays in, in your life, in your values and as a driver of, of happiness for you? Cause we, Uh, you've taught me a lot in this area. I think it's important to hear.
0: Um, The analogy that somebody gave me was, was Play-Doh. And if the Play-Doh is money, if we try to hold on it too tight, it'll just squeeze through the fingers, Hmm. but we can shape it into anything that we want. And so I realized that um, money is really driven by giving, you know, you, you work first, then you get paid, you don't get paid first and then do the work, you know, typically. So there's this underlying theme of the importance of constantly giving in business to be successful. And what I started to realize is what the media or Hollywood says about the wealthy is not necessarily how the wealthy truly are. And many of them actually created more of a discipline of giving back before they actually had big sums. So Mm. it's not this it'd be nice if, is they started doing the stuff beforehand and then it became bigger and bigger dollar amounts Um, i'll send you a a pdf that i recently read um, from the (laughs) women's philanthropic institute They did a huge study of giving and statistically it is proven that those that give are happier with their life Hmm. and it's not oodles of dollars amount The the deciding factor was two percent of their income. So easy numbers. If a household makes a hundred thousand dollars, if they give away two thousand dollars over to charity, it was making a statistically significant factor in their overall happiness factor.
1: That's fantastic.
0: Because you have abundance in your life and you know that you can give back. Hmm. Now, some folks have more money than others. You know, you don't get there by accident. So you may just say, I don't have the money right now. Let me give of my time, let me give of my, you know. Skills and expertise. There's somebody Absolutely. that that needs that help out there But the folks that give are winning and are happier and it's statistically proven hmm. The other interesting thing about this article was the importance of the women In the decision making process that related to the happiness factor And so it, it's across all demographics whether it was, they were single whether it was male whether it was female but it was the power of the women's decision on the impact of giving increases the happiness factor in a person's life. Um, it, it was, it was nuts.
1: It, yeah, it's it's so cool. awesome. Awesome article. We'll, we'll, about we'll link important. to that in the show notes, but I, I, I appreciate that. I want to put a link to the charities that you're involved with too. So I'll make sure and get those. Cause I know you're still deeply involved. You've been a huge supporter of the tower of niceness, let alone gave us the nudge to make it official, which we appreciate. But, um, I it's, it's admirable what you do and you don't talk about it much. I know privately we get a chance to chat about it, but it's been awesome to watch. It's influenced me. And I hope if anyone takes anything away from this, just the, the last piece you've said about, you know, giving is winning, I think is, uh, is, is really um, you're a great case study in that. And and I appreciate all that you've given.
0: I know you want to wrap up, but I have to say, this is one of the mentors I talked to recently it's that old saying. It's like money doesn't buy happiness. And he mm-hmm. challenged me. He said, "Then you haven't given enough away."
1: Ooh, <laughs> that's good. I like I like that. Well, let's let's finish with this. So, talking about high, happiness and high performance, how do you define it? What is high performance happiness to Sean? Um, you know, it's that. I, I love
0: that the old happiness formula, which is you know someone to love, something to do, and something to look forward to. And so it's not having that on accident. It's having it on purpose mm-hmm. every single year, whether it's I'm looking for the next six months or six weeks or six days or 60 years. Um, you know, my wife and I already have a date plan for, you know, our, our 60th wedding anniversary and we've already got to plan out what we're going to do and what's the dance that we're going to do. Cause we know that we're a little <laughs> bit older, you know, now hopefully life allows us to, to have that happen. Um, you know, and they're, there's challenges that will naturally come along the way, but that there's the living today and the living in the future. And they both have to have an equal prioritization. And when you give them that as you can just be happy and you can be in the moment, So Mm -hmm. as a skier, we call it the white room. It's this perfect place where you're billowed underneath this underneath the snow Mm -hmm. and it's like time stops and you're there for an eternity and you feel and you see everything. You're part Mm -hmm. of just literally the moment. Nothing Mm -hmm. else exists except for you, but you know, everything around you. So why does it have to be something like skiing is you can find that moment in what you're doing today, or you can go seek that and that provides just this incredible peace over mm. to your life that I don't want to use the word happiness. It's just this incredible contentment or just beauty that you have in your life and allow yourself to have that. It exists. It's easier said than done. I'm not a great example. I'm a hypocrite on this. I don't do it all the time, <laughs> but luckily fair. life throws these little gems at me and it's just like, yep. man, yeah. yeah, what a killer life. Yeah. You know, and that's what I hope other people have.
1: That's fantastic. And, and it's come full circle to finding moments. And I think a great place to, to pause there. I, I'm going to say pause because I hope I can, I can talk you back maybe after the next tax season and uh, we'll, we'll keep the conversation going. There's so much to dig into. Um, but thank you. Thank you for giving. Thank you for making a moment to be, to be here. Uh, is there uh, I know you're not a big social media guy, but is there any place that you would like people, if they wanted to check you out, follow you to look for you on?
0: Uh, well, actually, I'd say the most important thing is is send a comment over to to Brian and s- send him an email or post you know, something to them. That would be the most meaningful thing in the world, All you know right. to me. One, it provides Brian feedback, that there's actually engagement, that people are looking at it that, Somebody made a difference or that they could relate to that comment Um, It would be the the greatest compliment in the world that I could ever get is seeing that that feedback Because that creates the loop because you're the one that's engaging everybody and getting the folks to do it um you know nobody wants to follow a cpa on social media
1: <laughs> yeah they do come on man after this you're, we're gonna get you your own show but I, that <laughs> you know what man like that just sums you up right there i asked to give to you and you and you figure out a way to spin it so so thank you man. i appreciate you i'm so glad we got to have this this is uh just a joy to uh, to do it and share with everybody those that uh, want more, I'll have all the details and show notes of some of the links that Sean referred to. I'll try and capture as much of his wisdom as I can in there, uh, but encourage you to share this with your friends. You can check it out on uh, uh, healthandhustle.com. We'll have it up at the blog with all the details there. So until then, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Sean, appreciate you, man. We'll see you soon.